everybody, and welcome back to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of ACA's Bear Tag. My name is Emily, and along with Lisa, we are so excited to be talking to you about all things bear. Today, we're going to be diving into what the bear tag is, why it's so important, and who's a part of it. To talk to us a little bit more about this, we have Travis Vineyard and Gary Lunsford with us today. Travis and Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Emily. Thank you. Awesome. Before we dive deeper into today's, into today's topic, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, how you got started in the zoo field, and if you have a favorite bear species? Travis, would you like to start? Absolutely. So again, my name is Travis Vineyard. I'm currently the chair of the Bear Tag, but in my day job, I work for an accredited zoo and aquarium in Cleveland, Ohio, the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Uh, I got my I got my first all important first step in the door into the profession coming up on probably about 30 years ago when I did an internship at uh, one of the probably the smallest accredited facilities in the country, the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center in West Yellowstone, Montana. Your, your second follow-up question there, you know, favorite favorite bear species? Well, you know, uh, growing up in, in uh, central Wyoming, grizzly bears were always important in the community and relevant to our community. Grizzly bears are, are going to be close to uh, always have a place for me. But uh, having had the privilege of working with uh, a variety of different species and getting to know uh, some subtle, subtle nuances about behavior and sometimes not so subtle nuances about behavior, I really appreciate sloth bears, which uh, are bear, bear species native to India and Sri Lanka. Awesome. I feel like sloth bears are going to be a really popular bear species as we go throughout this. They really are just such amazing bears. Yes, they are, they are so gregarious and animated and, and lovingly destructible. <laughs> That's such a good descriptor. That's awesome. Now, Gary, what about you? I'm Gary Lunsford, director of the Buttonwood Park Zoo in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and vice chair of the Bear Tag. I entered the zoo community personally in a bit of an atypical direction through my experience and connections made in aquarium retail landed me a lucky break at the Oklahoma City Zoo's Aquarium Department. I do have favorite uh, bear. That would be the polar bear for obvious reasons, which we can go into later. But uh, doing some work in polar bear conservation up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Awesome. I'm very excited to hear more about that later, Gary, <laughs> as a fan of all bears. But uh, polar bears are also near and dear to my heart, too. So that's very exciting. So... We're diving into animal programs and through this whole podcast, and we're wondering if you can kind of help us just get a better idea of what animal programs does the AZA actually organize? So what is what is the menu of animal programs that exist in AZA? Yeah, you know, I'll start it off. You know, you know, most every every grouping of animals is, is represented in AZA. Some additional examples other than the group of bears, you know, we could be talking about felids or, or cats, could be talking about waterfowl and everything to sharks and then invertebrates. So almost every, every taxonomic group is represented with AZA. And that's kind of the root of the acronym TAG, Taxon Advisor Group. It's, it's just short for taxonomic grouping. But however, you know, we're focused on, on bears and that taxonomic group. So we have tags, and then there's also SSPs within tags, and then there's also SAFE programs. So we dive into an SSP later, and then we'll dive into SAFE later, but just kind of a, where do they fit within a tag? Under, under the AZ umbrella, you know, there's tags, you know, which really focus on 
the population and husbandry management of, in this case, bears and human care, which cascades down to another mnemonic or another uh, acronym, SSPs, Species Survival Programs. And that is kind of narrowing in on the focus of the, the species within that taxonomic group. And then there's this program called SAFE, Saving Animals from Extinction. And that's kind of uh, the bridge between TAGS, SSPs to a more conservation arm. And, and those are a focus group of experts uh, championing conservation projects, projects that, that Gary just talked about, about work uh, with polar bears and partners and governments and non-governmental organizations that deal with wild bears. And of course, AZA has other programs such as you know, accreditation and government affairs, wildlife trafficking and diversity and inclusion. But I think we're here to talk about you know, the tag and the bear tags and, and what their role is in this puzzle of conservation. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for kind of giving us kind of an overview of how all those programs fit in, because I know Lisa and I have said it before, but there are just so many acronyms for all these programs and kind of plans that it can definitely get pretty confusing um, yeah, talking about all these different ones. Yeah, we're never short on acronyms. <laughs> that is definitely true. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit, maybe go a little bit deeper into who's part of the tag? You know, who are maybe the zoos involved, specific people besides if there's anybody else besides you and Gary, and really how all those people fit together to make the tag work itself? Yeah, so so Gary and I and um, a treasurer and secretary, you know, there's, there's tag officers, there's steering committee members, and then there's also non-voting members and, and program leaders. To elaborate, you know, non non voting members is something that we're we're kind of proud of in, in our on our tag, because it, it, it provides inclusion of every level of the, the the zoo profession. You know, it includes people that aren't, and we'll get into this later. Probably aren't institutional representatives, but have an inclusion and a voice and, and knowledge of the process that the tag is undergoing. This could be, you know, at keeper levels, or it could be educational professionals. So it could be a number of people. The program leaders, that, that really encompasses SSP coordinators. It encompasses stud book keepers and species monitors. A good example of a species monitor is, say, for instance, the, the North American black bear species monitor. She oversees those activities and those partnerships to our wild, the wild bears through government agencies. Also, also included in there are advisors such as uh, nutrition and research advisors. Their expertise kind of falls outside of the scope of, of our expertise in, in guiding us. And um, just a point of interest, you know, nutrition advisors are, are incredibly important to the bear tag because, you know, bears and feeding and foraging is, is, is one of the most essential items. Cool. And I have to give a little bit of a shout out to Lisa as well, since she's the Bear Tags Education Advisor. She does a really, really great job in helping with this kind of strategic messaging. So shout out to her. Well, and you too, Emily, as an <laughs> education team. Love it. <laughs> Gary, did you have anything to add about that? Again, I know with, with your role running a zoo, do you see, especially with institutional representatives, any examples of some really meaningful relationships there with institutional representatives and bear species? Certainly. In fact, one of the precursors to becoming on the bear tag was my involvement in Canada with the Assiniboine Park Zoo and polar bear conservation programs. And being the institutional representative, which 
if you're not familiar with the term, the IR is the representative for the institution that does, uh, they're the, the middleman for communication between the SSP or the TAG in this case and communicating with their institution to keep the input from each institution to the necessities and decision-making processes. So I served as an institutional representative, but then became on the polar bear SSP, a species survival plan program. And uh, that just kind of led into the bear tag, which is the umbrella for the SSP programs for the bear taxa. And so, yeah, it's uh, the institutional rep is an important role because that's how all the information gets distributed. And that way you have a point person for each institution that can provide, fill out your surveys when you need a space survey done or need data on breeding recommendations and coordination. And that's their role that rolls into the SSP and then back up into the deck. Awesome. And you mentioned being an IR. Gary, how long were you an IR for the bear tag before stepping into this vice chairperson role? And Travis, same for you. I'm really curious to know how long both of you have been part of the bear tag. That's an excellent question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't remember. I would have to look that up. I don't know. Yeah. And the, for Gary and I, it's been so many years we can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, bears, you know, guided us both from our beginnings of our careers. And so we were always in the outskirts, always wanting to be IRs and wanting to be involved. Gosh, we, we've probably been IRs since the beginning. That's awesome. And I'm curious for myself and for maybe listeners who aren't sure of the process, how does one go about becoming the IR? Is it just telling, you know, their folks at the zoo? Is it reaching out directly to the bear tag? How does that go about being able to find those IRs? Yeah, yeah. Entering into the formal appointment into a tag starts with being an institutional representative or an IR. And that that comes at the institutional level. You know, it's a person who has expressed interest and passion about a particular species. They talk to their leadership of their zoo to be appointed that role, assigned that role in their organization. As Gary said, you know, they're, they're kind of the, the best point people at the institution to be that connectivity of information. And it flows both ways. You know, the tag is seeking information from the IR. And in best case scenarios, the IRs are seeking information, guidance, recommendations from, from the tags. So once you get that IR position, you know, you become... Uh, a known entity and a, and a known person engaged in the in the bear tag and their processes, and you wait for a vacancy. You know we serve four-year terms on the steering committee, and we in the bear tag value that because this four-year term creates a, a methodology of a re recruitment and and replacement of, of new ideas and and new views. Every four years, everybody's term comes up for an election. And those IRs are under their own driving passions, put their name in the hat to be considered to be on the steering committee. And that, that is the, uh, the process uh, for recruitment. Personally, I rolled on to the polar bear SSP in 2016 and then on to the bear tag in 2018. So I haven't been there quite as long as Travis has in the bear community. Yeah, to, I guess to go back to, to, to answer that question, Emily. So... Probably uh, my, my first, uh, again, foot in the door with the tag, respective, was, was actually through Asiatic black bears. We may touch on that later on, but there's, there's eight species of bears 
in the Bayer Taxon Advisory Group, and every one of them falls onto, under our umbrella. Asiatic black bears are, are one of these species that we have phased out of over the years. Uh, but that was my initial entry, and that was probably in 90, 1996 or 97, maybe, but, but who's counting? I know for myself personally, I've always had a soft spot for Asiatic black bears or moon bears just because they're the mm -hmm. bears that were closest to me growing up in Providence by Roger Williams. So really getting to know the two of them, George and Gracie, was or just George now, excuse me, but it yeah. was really, really incredible getting to see them up close. And I know they're pretty rare. Like you said, they're kind of a mm -hmm. different situation than other bears that are being managed by the tag. So it was really yeah. felt very special being able to be close to them and get to see them so regularly. Yes, I agree. I feel very lucky to have had a moon bear somewhat close to me here in St. Louis too, um, just a little ways into Illinois and knowing just the minute you see them, just like almost pretty much every bear species, you just fall in love with them because they're so cool. <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned that, Travis. I'm glad you brought up the fact that there are, there's only eight species of bear and the fact that all eight um, have been or are under the tag so you mentioned phasing out of the Asiatic black bear. And then you also mentioned with the American black bear that it's not an SSP, but it's a monitored species. So how do you decide which ones kind of fall under these different categories? I don't know if the podcast is that long for me to elaborate. <laughs> it's a process, I, you say. Okay. I'll give you I'll give a more <laughs> concise answer. So so there's there's eight species of bears, as I said, under the tag umbrella. And they all have varying degrees of oversight. Uh, we can talk about provisional SSPs. Some are just have stud books. Some have uh, registries, meaning we just, we just monitor how many there are and where they're at in the country. And some are tag monitored, where we don't, AZA and AZA entities don't have direct control over their management, but we obviously know they're here and we keep tabs on their status is in, in North American zoos. I guess to give an example of each, that might be a good place to start, is like provisional SSPs. Now, these are, are species that are on the brink uh, of being successful. Of course, we would like every, every species to, to have the same degree of capacity and commitment and sustainability, but, but they don't. But provisional SSPs are on this verge to, to reach that threshold of being sustainable. An example of those would be like sloth bears or Andean bears. With a little bit of work, a little bit of modifications in husbandry, exchange of genetics, there could be the potential for them to be reach that sustainability threshold. Stud books, uh, an example of that would be sun bears. You know, we, we have a, a sun bear stud book. There are sun bears in North American zoos. Their reproduction has not been beneficial to reach sustainability, but they're here and they, technically could reproduce, so we, we monitor them. Registry-wise, you know, that's where your, your brown and black bears fall because they're, they're non-breeding in our zoos, so they don't really meet the criteria of a stud book because a stud book obviously coordinates breeding and breeding activities, but we do make a registry of them and keep account for their, really the space they occupy. Uh, one of the, probably the themes we'll keep coming back to in these podcasts is, is the importance of space and when we think about bears in zoos. And uh, the last example, maybe tag monitor. A good species that fits that model is giant pandas. You know, there, there's a handful in North American zoos, but their their management and their oversight is is outside the realm of AZA. The uh, People's Republic of China manages the, those populations. I know, as an educator, especially with North American black bears and 
grizzly bears and brown bears. It's great. It's wonderful messaging because so many of uh, those bears were rescues or were orphaned. And to have them in your institution, you know, a lot of times we tend to focus more on species that would have an like an SSP or a safe program, but to have species that, you know, aren't going to be breeding, but they're here mm-hmm. because of these interactions with people mm-hmm. or whatever caused them to need to be, to have a zoo for a home. And so that messaging is very powerful. And those animals serve as incredible ambassadors, um, no matter which zoo that they're at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's one thing that that's, that's the bear tag apart from other taxonomic groups is that you know, there is such an emphasis on native species. You know, the say the the tag that covers giraffe. Well, there's nothing like that in North America. And there's so not that parallels that, that we have in our tag. Each accredited zoo across the country, you know, they have their own collection plans. They have their own ideas on what's relevant to their communities. And so a, a black bear exhibit and a brown bear exhibit in North America is fit good for their needs. But what's good about the bear tag is that a lot of the conservation issues that impact black bears and brown bears have a parallel uh, situation from these, I'll call them international species. So they, they share parallel problems and, and one, one overarching, I guess, phrase is, is human bear conflict. They have these overarching themes. And so the, the connections can be made between those international species and our native species. Definitely. Yeah. I think that being able to just kind of make those connections, like you said, is really powerful. And I think it kind of ties back into one of the phrases that, you know, AZA is really starting to push of think globally, act locally, and being able to kind of like make those local steps and working with the fish and wildlife departments to help find placements for these bears who um, might otherwise not be able to survive in the wild or need to have homes in captivity, being able to work with them with that and also pairing it with those similar plights of bears who are across the world in other countries. I think that's a really incredible thing that the bear tags gets to do. And like you said, makes us really unique compared mm-hmm. to other tags um, that the AZA runs, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I'm sure there are, but I can't think of too many other tags that have that role and active role, proactive role in partnerships with government agencies to help place problem bears, be a direct mediator in conflicts and providing homes to nuisance wildlife and orphaned animals. Definitely, yeah. And really quick, I'd love to just jump back kind of kind of a little while ago now in the episode, but I remember that Gary mentioned something called regional collection plans. And I was wondering if we could maybe talk a little bit about what a regional collection plan is, you know, why it's so important, and how do you kind of go through the steps of making that plan and deciding which species are a part of it? So 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 our a regional collection plan is kind of kind of the 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 plan for all of the species in the under the umbrella of the tag and which ones we're going to manage. The tag is sort of the clearinghouse for information. You know, we collect information about these fitness of all these populations of animals. And so there's where we begin the coordination of, again, go back to space, coordination of space, capacity and commitment for these species. During the regional collection plan process, sometimes we have to make some difficult decisions and identify where there isn't space, capacity, and commitment. Examples we've already talked about is Asiatic black bears. 20 years ago, probably better than 20 years ago, we made the decision to phase out of Asiatic black bears. The reason we did that was not that we, we didn't and weren't reproducing sustainable populations in North America, but we, we knew that other zoo associations internationally 
We're doing a much better job with them. It's kind of the parallel is how good we do with North American black bears. Well, there's organizations in Asia that do just as well with Asiatic black bears. So to, to be smart and efficient with our resources, we made the decision to phase out of Asiatic black bears. And so that, that space is freed up for other species. And so what the original collection plan does was, was is collects all this information and really sets the course for, for what we're going to focus on in species and make sure that we have the resources to support these species. And I think that's so important for people to understand, because I know when we talk about SSP, just the fact that zoos, AZA zoos, work cooperatively together to make sure that our populations are sustainable and as healthy as possible. And just that 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 teamwork goes on. And when you're talking about the regional collection planning and just knowing how much work goes into planning and making sure we are doing the best we, we can for our, you know, all of our animals, but especially for our bears, I think it's just going to be another one of those like just mind-blowing moments for our listeners to know yeah. just how much effort and work we put into yeah. uh, and things like that. Yeah, and that and that's that's really kind of really defines the tag too. It, it's an assimilation of like-minded people, like-minded experts. And, and again, we're, we're kind of the, the clearinghouse for information on population trends on different species. Obviously, you know, recommendations on, on how to improve, improve their care and husbandry. And I think it's helpful just to talk in examples. So another, you know, a hard decision we had to make was on sun bears, a phase out of sun bears. And it was, it's different. It was a different decision than Asiatic black bears. And that we were and could be successful with Asiatic black bears, but with sun bears, through our, our best efforts, you know, we just weren't successful with them. And so we came to the hard decision that space would be more important to Indian bears and sloth bears than sun bears, us to continue to focus on sun bears. Part of the regional collection plan is to define what to phase out of and what to focus on, but also what to replace with. And so the regional collection plan also makes recommendations on if a sun bear is uh, through attrition lost from an institution, uh, we make a recommendation on what those institutions should replace with. And that would probably be an Asian species sloth bear to keep it if they're zoogeographically themed that way or, or Andean bear if they could swing that too. Again, these, these are just recommendations because all zoos have their own collection plans and their own community needs that strikes a chord with them. That's really interesting. Thank you for kind of sharing that because I know for myself, I didn't really know what kind of went into the whole process of deciding which species are phase outs or like keeping them in management and everything. So that's really interesting to be able to hear kind of like the business perspective of how you all consider the factors and everything of keeping the species in and which species you're going to be managing. Yeah, I mean, and, and we didn't even touch on the whole concept of, you know, genetics either. I mean, we talked about those other sort of conceptual reasons, but the genetics and the demographics are, you know, hard data that we, we also take into account to make those decisions. Yeah, and I think that's that's very important to point out, you know, and one of the many things that helps set AZA and the work that we do apart is, again, all that attention to those really important details and that type of collaboration. I am really curious to know, because I've, I've worked with you guys for a little bit now, but I would love to know in your careers, what achievements, especially as part of the Bear Tag, because the Bear Tag has just done a lot of really, really great work. And I know many 
non-bear tag colleagues that kind of hold the bear tag as the gold standard of tags. I would love to know what your what achievements, either as your current role or a previous role within the bear tag, but what achievements are you most proud of? Well, whoever's ready to start. <laughs> what do you think, Gary? Well, I came on just in time for COVID, so <laughs> still working on the projects that we started since I've been on board. For me, for me, it's it's kind of maybe not. You mentioned COVID though, which is interesting because we we were in these roles during COVID, and, and it was a struggle. So maybe maybe that is an accomplishment, and we just haven't recognized it. Uh, but for for me, it, it's really not a particular project or event. But a lot a lot of the pride comes from being engaged and included within this group, and that's probably what we all all strive for in our professions. But I, but I think it's really been those opportunities to provide advice or opinion on a topic. And more often than not, you know, I didn't know the answer, but being in a position where you know who did know the answer is very gratifying. And you could you could point those people in those right directions. I love that answer. I think that's really great. And kind of touching on that, at the time of recording, the announcement for the husbandry course uh, just came out a couple days ago. And so I think that that's something I'm not going to be able to go, but I think it's going to be really, really exciting being able to see that and help kind of what you said, share that knowledge and spread it out to bear keepers and help really advance the husbandry and care standards that we have for bears even more than they already are now. So that's going to be really exciting to see in a couple months. Yeah. It, yeah. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. We're, we're going to be hosting a husbandry course and Detroit's going to be hosting in the first week of October there. Yeah. We're, we're really excited about it in our profession. And, and I guess more specifically the bears, you know, we're, we're always students, you know, we, we learn from bears every year on something that comes up and, and that's one of the kind of the, the roles of the tag is to be that sounding board for people to come to and ask questions and, have you seen this before type of questions or what do we do with this or, or what's your recommendation on this or that? A, lo- a lot of, a lot of uh, enjoyment and satisfaction comes from being able to, uh, like I said, if you didn't know the answer, direct somebody who, who you know uh, will know or have insight into the, their question and the answer. Well, thank you both so much, Travis and Gary, for taking the time to record with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, again, thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much to all the listeners out there who took the time to listen to this episode as well. If you'd like to keep updated on future episodes, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you want to find more BearTag, you can go on our website at beartag.org or follow us on social media at AZA BearTag on Instagram or BearTag on Facebook. If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at azabeartag at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.